Today's podcast with Joel Corey is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash LA slant. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. That's audibletrial.com forward slash LA slant. All right, it's my pleasure to welcome former sports agent Joel Corey to the LA Slam podcast. You can read his work on CBSSports.com. Follow him at Corey Joel on Twitter. And hey, when it comes to breaking down player contracts and the NFL salary cap, really not many people better than Joel. Thanks for joining me, buddy. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Thanks for having me. Joel, I want to start with the biggest news from Rams OTAs, and that's Aaron Donald. He's not on the field right now, and we know it's contract-related. You wrote a great piece for CBS Sports last week, breaking down which NFL stars could get extensions before the start of this season. And based on the way the Rams and Les Steed have done business with Tavon Austin and Robert Quinn, it seems like September, Aaron Donald should be a pretty happy man. Yeah, September at the latest. That's really Kevin Demoff because he's really more the money man than um, Les Snead. But they've done extensions for first-round picks. They pick up the fifth-year option, and they never play their fourth season um, under their rookie contract. Robert Quinn was done in early September. Um, inexplicably, they did that with Tavon Austin last year. And Tavon Austin and, and Aaron Donald, from their productivity on the field, are like apples and oranges. It's a no-brainer to take care of Aaron Donald. I'm curious to see if he shows up for minicamp, the mandatory minicamp next week, because you can be fined if you're under contract for missing the mandatory minicamp. If you miss all three days, it'll be a little, a little over $80,000 of a fine, which in the grander scheme of things for where Aaron Donald's ultimately going to be paid would be chump change, but that might send a signal to the Rams that we need to do this a little earlier than our typical timetable. Yeah, $80,000 may be worth it if, if you risk injury in the offseason. I think that's a big reason why he's doing this. Joel, with what we've seen with contracts on the defensive side of the football, Von Miller, $70 million in guarantees last summer. Do you think Aaron Donald is going to eclipse that based on where we are with the salary cap and how it goes up each year? Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he is in that same vicinity. Uh, the thing is, the defensive players get paid a premium, and it's been this way for quite some time, are the ones who can consistently put pressure on a quarterback regardless of where they line up. Um, I helped make John Randall, who is an interior defensive uh, lineman, the highest-paid non-quarterback in football. Um, I'd say that what was that almost 20 years ago. Wow. So Aaron Donald, he's been compared to uh, a John Randall, puts more pressure on quarterback. I don't mean sacks. I mean hits, hurries, and sacks combined because that's real, really indicative of what type of pressure you put on a quarterback. So at a bare minimum, he's got to eclipse and Dominican Sue who signed for a little over $19 million per year um, as a free agent in 2000, I guess that was 15, and he had almost $60 million in overall guarantees. He's got to, at a minimum, eclipse that. I wouldn't be surprised if he go, goes past Von Miller. Um, getting to $70 million in guarantees is the new benchmark. You're going to see them go over, uh, try to get over that $70 million per year mark, um, $70 million guarantee mark, I should say. 
whatever Aaron Donald gets, and I assume he's going to at least be the highest paid non-quarterback, whether it's $20 million per year remains to be seen. It's going to set the floor for Khalil Mack when he ultimately gets done, whether it's sometime before the 2017 season ends or it's in 2018. Wow. Yeah, that's that's it's going to be a big deal once we figure out what what Aaron Donald's going to get. Another player who's made headlines last week was cornerback Tremaine Johnson, Joel, and he was hit with the franchise tag. I think he's going to make sixteen point seven million dollars this year. Only problem is he's not at OTAs, and when Les Snead signed Tremaine Johnson, I think the understanding was like, hey, let's get him out to OTAs. Let's see how he meshes with Wade's system. And I don't want to speculate. I don't know why he's not at OTAs. I don't think the Rams have given a reason, but. In light of that, where do you see Tremaine Johnson beyond 2017? Do you think there's a, a chance that they can get something done in, in Los Angeles? Well, he's kind of sitting in the driver's seat because if he does nothing, you're basically going to pay him $30.7 million over two years on the franchise tag, and you won't franchise him a third time because the third franchise tag for – position players other than the quarterback is going to be the quarterback number. So you'd be talking about a franchise tag number of like 23 and a half million. That's not going to happen. Uh, he's going to drive a hard bargain because of that a harder than normal bargain. Um, you would think that the range would be kind of where the Desmond Trufants of the world ended up. He's probably the most recent cornerback to sign that averages 13.75 million per year with a little over $41.5 million guarantees. But because Johnson's sitting on a guaranteed almost $17 million this year, he's probably going to ask for more than Josh Norman, who's the highest-paid cornerback in the league at $15 million a year and $50 million in guarantees. And the thing is, uh, the Rams are in a position to pay Aaron Donald all the money in the world and have a very high-priced corner because they have no money invested in a quarterback right now. So that makes it a lot easier for them to do that. Than if they were like uh, the team which has a veteran quarterback, which is uh, taking up a lot of money uh, from a salary standpoint and a cap standpoint. Let's get back to a player that uh, we both mentioned earlier, Tavon Austin. And last year he signed, what, four-year, $42 million extension, almost $29 million in guarantees. And Joel, that's an exorbitant amount of money for a guy who hasn't had more than 58 catches, 509 receiving yards in a season. Uh, How much has that deal affected the wide receiver market league-wide? Uh, actually, it didn't have the impact I thought it would. I thought every wide receiver who was coming on the open market uh, this past free agency would have been looking to eclipse uh, that, the number two receivers, and for the most part, they didn't. Um, it was going to be hard for the Rams if they wanted to re-sign Kenny Britt to do so because if I'm Kenny Britt, I'm looking there going, I'm almost twice as productive as Tavon, so you got to pay me more if you expect me to do more. He didn't get that type of money. Uh, Terrell Pryor didn't get that type of money. You didn't see the guys, Kenny Stills didn't get that type of money. You didn't see the guys who aren't true number one receivers uh, get the Tavon Austin money. So I guess teams have been able to say it's more of an anomaly deal and excuse it than uh, being bound to it. First of all, I wouldn't have exercised the option on him uh, and then compound it by paying him two years early. Because I contend that if you didn't exercise the option, he played out year four uh, of his rookie deal and would have hit the open market last year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't. I mean, this this off season, he'd be lucky to sign a one year deal for five million dollars. So he's making out like a bandit. This is the best deal that an agent's done for a player I've ever seen in my life. What do you think 
was the reason behind this? Was it just like, hey, we drafted this guy high. We're going to justify the fact that we drafted him high and think he's going to be a player for us for, for years to come. I, I just I couldn't wrap my head around why they even did this in the first place. I can't wrap my head around it either, but sometimes that factors into decision-making. Teams want to um, justify their picks, so they'll double down on them, and I wouldn't have made that bet. Sometimes it's better to walk away and cut your losses. Uh, we saw a team in division do that, not for a receiver that they drafted, but when they traded it for and gave a huge contract to, that was um, Percy Harvin a couple of years ago. Uh, Seattle decided to cut bait and send him to uh, – San, not San Francisco, the, the Jets for a late round pick, got whatever they could. And to me, the way the Rams have used uh, Tavon Austin in the past, he's a poor man's Percy Harvin, and that's not a compliment. Whether he they're going to turn him into a more conventional receiver this year and try to he'll maybe he'll live up to the contract remains to be seen, but that deal is the biggest head scratcher I've seen from a team standpoint, from an agent standpoint, that's the best deal I've ever seen. Wow. Yeah, I, I think they're going to try to, they say they're going to try to use him as a deep threat this year, but I, I think they're in line to to really cut bait with him next year. And then you look at bringing in Josh Reynolds and Cooper Cup and you have Farrow Cooper on the roster. seems like they're really betting on these young guys uh, to be successful because I, I can't see Tavon Austin being a Ram in 2018. And then you look at Robert Woods. Here's the, here's the kicker. Here's the kicker on the Tavon Austin deal. There's an offset. But his $5 million, I think his third day of the 2018 league year roster bonus became fully guaranteed on the third day of this league year, which was March 11th. There's an offset, so you get to recoup some of that money, but they'll be, they'd be on the hook most likely for some portion of that. Plus, there's a $3 million base salary that becomes fully guaranteed on the third day of the 2018 league year. So this was a pretty player-friendly contract, plus the just fact they gave him a contract at that dollar amount is beyond explanation, in my opinion. And then and then you, you couple that. Listen, Robert Woods is a productive receiver. He got $15 million guaranteed, too, by the Rams. So, I don't know. It, it's, it's a little puzzling what they were doing at the wide receiver position, and I, I think... To your point, you, you still got to pay Tavon Austin next year a little bit. You better hope that these younger guys hit in 2017, which, which leads me to to Jared Goff, Joel. And we all know what the Rams gave up to get him. Uh, with all the other needs on this football team, just how important is it for Goff to become a player this year? You know, we talked about Aaron Donald's contract and, you know, whether or not Tremaine Johnson comes back, they still need to address the cornerback position. Just how important is it for golf to become a player? How much does that set a team back for giving up as much as they did? Oh, it sets a team back tremendously if you give up multiple picks, which you could have used to potentially have star players or at least quality depth uh, for a quarterback and miss on the quarterback. Then you have to eventually go out and get another quarterback. Golf just needs to make the transition from looking lost to competent. And there are two factors which will help him where he can have a slower development is one, Todd Gurley returns to his rookie year form. You have a running game to take the pressure off of golf. That'd be a tremendous help. And if Wade Phillips can get his defense to play anything like the Texans defense did and the Denver Broncos defense did, and there's some pieces in place which uh, give you the foundation for, for a good defense then golf, can be a game manager if golf has to try to shoulder the load 
and do more than that, that's probably going to be a disaster for the Rams based on what we saw last year. And, and Sean Mannion, I look at the I look at this situation, Joel, and it reminds me of the Redskins situation a few years back when you have a guy like Robert Griffin III who you gave up the farm for, and Jay Gruden comes in, and he was tasked with getting Robert Griffin III back to what he was doing his rookie year and then some. Didn't work out, but you had a guy in Kirk Cousins who you drafted in the fourth round who ended up being who he is now. And I look at the Rams, and I don't think it's out of the realm of possibilities that if golf doesn't come out of the gates looking, like you said, competent, there's a guy in Sean Mannion who the Rams better hope can play some football too because if he can come in, it's almost, I guess, a wash if he can actually be a competent starter in the NFL. What do you think of this dynamic of having golf and then another guy who's not going to count a lot on your books for the next couple of years um, kind of being in the fold? I guess Sean McVay does have a couple of options there. I think you got to give – I know McVay wasn't the guy who was responsible for drafting golf, but I think you got to give him a full year to see if he can play or not. What wouldn't surprise me, and this is me – going way deep in the crystal ball and throwing out a potential scenario. Let's say Jared Goff can't play to the level that Sean McVay wants a quarterback to be. So you have a question mark at quarterback in 2018. I would not be surprised next offseason if there's a bidding war for the guy you mentioned instead of Sean Mannion, Kirk Cousins, because I'm assuming he won't sign with the Redskins. They won't get a long-term deal done. Uh, he'll probably be a free agent. I don't believe Bruce Allen when he says he'd franchise him a third time. Maybe he puts a transition tag on him, but still, that's not going to kind of preclude people from going after him. And two coaches that love him would need a quarterback, both in the NFC West. Yep. We know San Francisco would go after him, but would the Rams in that scenario also want to get Kirk Cousins because McVay loves the guy, said he could win a Super Bowl. So just something to think about down the road. Could the Rams afford him, especially if you put all, all this money into Aaron Donald, would that be something you think that they'd be able to afford Kirk Cousins? Because I was looking at that, and you're right. Sean McVay, I mean, listen, Kirk Cousins put up back-to-back Redskins passing records under Sean McVay. I'm sure he would love to have him in, in L.A. If, if golf doesn't work out. Is it something that is feasible from a salary cap perspective? Uh, we're going to find out because the Raiders are going to be in that same predicament with uh, Derek Carr and Khalil Mack. Uh, but if uh, you can get what you think is a franchise quarterback, you'll find a way to make it work. So cap's something you can manipulate to your favor, depending upon how much you want to push obligations down the road. And considering the Rams really had a quarterback, I guess, since Mark Bolger flashed. And if you want to go wow. back before that, uh, Kurt Warner, because I'm not going to count Sam Bradford because he was never healthy, then it would be worth it to go out and get what you think is a franchise quarterback and work around that. Uh, Having Aaron Donald making that type of money and paying a quarterback, uh, that's not ideal. You'd have to uh, hit on your hit on your draft picks at a higher rate than, than average, and you'd have to be judicious and free agency for it to work. But at the same time, 49ers have so much cap room that it would be hard to fashion an offer that they can't blow out the water. Joel, so, so you don't think you don't think the Redskins any chance they get a long term deal done with Kirk Cousins this year? Uh, I'd never say never, but I'll see it when I believe it. I don't think it happens because 
I know deadlines for action in the NFL, but the Redskins have to get off the fact one that we could have had them for this amount, almost twenty million, a little less than that last year. Yeah, and no, knowing that you're, you're basically paying him forty-four million over two years, he set every team passing record known to mankind practically. Did improve this year, even though he didn't get to the playoffs, just barely missed. He's going to be looking at the top of the market because you're going to have to either transition tag him for like 28 or franchise him for almost 35 next year. So you're going to have to knock his socks off to make him a a long-term offer, which is above Andrew Luck most likely. And let's say Derek Carr or Matthew Stafford get done in the next month, unlikely, but say one of them does, then that's probably a new bar. And you're going to have to go above that to get Cousins done because time is on his side. He's in the driver's seat. He has unintentionally done what I'd love to see a quarterback do, which is a proven commodity, which Cousins wasn't the first time he's franchised. Play it out to the mat, pull basically a Darrell Revis and see what type of money he would get. Cousins is doing it out of necessity, and he's going to be much better off in the long run than if he signed a long-term deal last year. Man, he is absolutely sitting pretty. I think, too, they need somebody in 2020 when that new stadium opens up. So, obviously, there's a lot to kind of process this year. But it's something to think about, certainly, when you know the Rams are moving into a new stadium. And they're partnering the new stadium, the Chargers, Joel. And I thought they did some nice things this offseason. It started by franchising Melvin Ingram uh, for $14.5 million. And then they drafted three potential day one starters on offense. When you talk about Mike Williams... You could put him on the other side of Keenan Allen and then two interior linemen that could start from day one in Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney. Uh, how would you assess uh, their offseason? I'd say that uh, Philip Rivers is a happy camper. Yeah. <laughs> Got him a toy wide receiver in the first round, and Mike Williams did uh, lit up Alabama in the national championship game. And hopefully the interior of the offensive line was addressed with uh, the two draft picks. Uh, the one head scratching move, and you got to have someone to protect your blind side. I don't know about paying Russell Okun, uh, top of the uh, offensive tackle market money. Uh, he was decidedly mediocre in Denver. They they didn't pick up the option they had on him to lock him up for another uh, four or five years at ten million per year, ten eleven million per year. So. I guess one team's trash is another team's treasure in that case. If he can return to his Pro Bowl form in Seattle, then you have something. If he looked more like he did when he was injured in Seattle or in Denver last year, that's a gross overpay. Can they afford Melvin Ingram on the defensive side of the ball, Joel, long-term when you have – you just look at the roster. And I think what the good th- one of the things that the Chargers have done – when you look at both sides of the football, offensively, they have a lot of guys in their rookie deals. You know, I think Hunter Henry's going to take a big step this year in his second year. We mentioned Williams and then the two interior linemen. On the defensive side of the football, Joey Bosa, you know, in his second year. Moving forward, do you think Melvin Ingram is someone they can they can afford when you look at all the guys that they're going to have to pay over the next couple of years? Yeah, people that can rush the pass or you try not to let them go. There is a dynamic this offseason, which is really helping in their favor. If I'm Melvin Ingram, I'm not too happy with Jason Pierre-Paul or Chandler Jones because they didn't advance the ball for guys on franchise tags that are uh, edge rushers, per se. 
Last year, you had Olivier Vernon get $17 million per year with a little over $50 million in guarantees, $40 million fully guaranteed in signing, very player-friendly deal. This year, you had Chandler Jones sign very early, right start of free agency, shortly after uh, he was franchised, a few days after that. Sounds for like sixteen point two five a year, same fifty million in guaranteed neighborhood, not as strong in terms of the structure that guarantees. And then Jason Pierre Paul basically comes in at fifteen million per year with guarantees in the forties. Granted, he's a little bit different because he had the uh accident on the fourth of July a couple of years ago, yeah. which kind of changed his ability to play the way he did before, but he came back and was able to accommodate the the hand the problem with his uh, hand but still i'm not happy if i'm melvin ingram because i was expecting those guys to push the ball forward from olivier vernon and now it's taking a step backwards that's good for the 49 not for the 49ers for the chargers i don't know it's some of these positions are kind of head scratching when you you look at like you said you can get to the passer like Aaron donald's gonna make probably record money this year and then you look at positions like what what you said olivier vernon chandler jones have done um, and then the wide receiver position. I don't know. It just it seems like some of this stuff is all over the place. But I well, here, well, here's the good thing about here's the good thing about uh, Ingram. Say you do a long term deal now, his guaranteed money will be done after 2019. Okay. And by the time you're ready to pay Bosa, you you could you'd be in a position to cut date with Ingram if he's not producing. So those two aren't mutually exclusive concepts. Uh, Bosa and Ingram. It's not either or. Joel, I want to get you out of here on this. It's a new world here in L.A. with two NFL teams, and we know both want to win now, but it's paramount that these teams are competitive in 2020 when this new stadium is built, especially with you have the Lakers, the Dodgers. You have so many uh, factors uh, kind of uh, against these NFL teams when you talk about Los Angeles just as a city of entertainment and sports. When you look at how both rosters are currently constructed and their plans, they have two new coaches, respectively, two new head coaches. Who, in your eyes, is in the best position to be successful over the next three years? Uh, Chargers short-term, because if they knew how to close out games last year, maybe Mike McCoy still has his job, because they were a pretty tough out. Their biggest problem is 2020, who's who's going to be their quarterback? It may not be Phillip Rivers, because he came in in 2004, so he, he his contract will be uh, almost up by then. So uh, that that's that's something you got to think about with them. They could be a, a team which could be a dark horse candidate this year in the AFC West with Kansas City potentially taking a step back because Alex Smith has Travis Kelsey and a bunch of own unknown qualities to throw to. Now the Rams. That's going to largely depend on what type of growth Jared Goff has or whether you have a quarterback in place that can at least be competent because it's it's hard to do anything about a quarterback you, you have to have a all-time great defense to do with the game manager but having a good quarterback makes your life so much easier and can mask a lot of mistakes yeah 2018 is a big quarterback class when you talk about you know especially here where you talk about these two kids from from UCLA and USC, Sam Darnold and Josh Rosen. 2018 could be really interesting for both teams, especially the Chargers, because I, I think a lot of people are speculating that the the Chargers would draft Phillip Rivers' successor this year. I didn't think it made sense. I'm glad they did what they did to, to get him some protection and an extra weapon. But I think 2018, it may be the year 
when you look at the quarterbacks that are potentially coming out to get a guy to groom for the next two years before Phillip Rivers may be on his way out. I think a guy, can you imagine a guy like Rosen or Darnold, an L.A. kid coming to play for the Chargers? Oh, yeah, that would be amazing from a marketing standpoint. He'd get to sit for a year or two, I guess, like the Brett Favre and Rodgers situation, and then take over. I wouldn't rule out – I know I'm all over the map with the Rams on their quarterback situation – but I wouldn't rule out the Rams if uh, Goff stinks up to joint and they're near the top of the draft. Uh, them taking one of the L.A. kids. And I'll say that because the Jaguars did that 2011 and 2013. Blaine Gabbert realized he wasn't the guy very quickly. Drafted Blake Bortles with the third overall pick in 2013. Two-year gap. So it's not like it hasn't been done. <laughs> yeah, you can do that with these rookie deals now, right? It's it's not like the years when Oh, yeah, you're, Bradford... you're not stuck with the Sam Bradford and Matthew Stafford where you're hamstrung. You're paying these guys like a Pro Bowl guy coming out the gate. You're talking $7 million per year on a deal. Yeah, you you're going to have fully guaranteed money. And the thing is with the Rams, you're one of the two teams which don't have offsets with guarantees, so you can double dip if you get cut. So golf, they would be eating all the golf salary for two seasons, um, which is something which would basically be uh, about fourteen million. You'd be eating that over over. Actually, the guarantee would accelerate. So that that'd be that could be kind of hard to do. You might have to keep him around as a backup for a year. Yeah. Um, to 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 do that, but it's not unprecedented going to be interesting. Uh, 2017 is a big year for both the Rams and the Chargers and he's Joel Corey. You can follow him on Twitter at Corey Joel. Uh, catch his work on CBSSports.com. Joel, can't thank you enough for your insight, man. I really appreciate it and hope to do it again here soon. I enjoyed it. Anytime.